Hello and welcome to episode number 6 of the Genesis Temple podcast. I am Damiano and I have the pleasure today of having with me Jay Tholen, who is the designer of Hypnospace Outlaw and Drop C. Hello Jay, how are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, doing pretty good. It's a normal summer day. Just put my son down to sleep for the night. Oh, well, that's a shame. I thought we would be having a sort of feature by baby Tholen <laughs> sort of appearance. He may be dreaming. You may hear him wake up and yell or something for a minute, but it's like a jump scare, a baby screaming. Uh, so, uh, it is traditional on the podcast uh, to ask the guest, uh, when did your passion for uh, gaming begin and when did you get into gaming development? I suppose I got into video games when my father brought home a Nintendo, or no, 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 I got one for Christmas. Yeah, I asked for a Sega Genesis for Christmas or a Mega Drive to you, to you uh, Europeans and I got a Nintendo Entertainment System uh, instead, which, you know, at the time was disappointing because I was hoping for the newer, you know, Sega Genesis. And I thought... That was kind of a downgrade then. Yeah, downgrade. I thought Sonic was awesome and Mario was lame and and everything. And and my... uh, All my friends did too. And... I don't think my dad quite understood just how big of a difference, uh, you, you know, there would be to me between those two systems. He was just like, oh, this one's affordable. So he got that one. And, you know, it might, it, he may very well have known that that wasn't the thing. Maybe he couldn't afford it. That That's actually probably likely. Whatever the case, I got started on and he would go to a flea market uh, after work sometimes roadside flea market that was kind of always there always open there would be a person selling nintendo games you know just real weird titles too usually um and he would bring those home every now and then and you know i'm kind of thankful because i wouldn't have well there's the baby hello baby tholen welcome to the podcast anyway (laughs) i'm kind of thankful for that because i i don't think i would have played any of that older stuff had he not done that, I would have been like, oh, it's too old. Uh, but I, I, I think I gained an appreciation f- for it. And similarly, we, I begged him and my family for a while to get a computer. And in 1997, we got a computer. But similarly, you know, I got maybe two full games a year. So I ended up getting like at thrift stores like shareware or getting demo discs or, you know, stuff like that. And never usually full games or just very old old games. And I'm also thankful for that because I don't think I ever would have gotten into the entire adventure game genre if it wasn't for, you know, being stuck with, like, old shareware games and stuff. So that, that was the beginning of everything. And, and in that era, uh, a friend let me borrow, I think it was Sim, Sim Tower? Or one of the sim games and on that disc there was a like a, a demo version of click and play which was an easy to use game making 
program from the 90s. Yeah, and once we got the internet a few years later, I joined the community online of people who were using that software to make little games. You know, ever since then, until 2015, it was pretty much just a hobby, or 2014. Uh, but yeah, I, I had done that, you know, ever since then, uh, as a hobby. Yeah. And that's, that's how, I guess, all that started. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about the, the idea of community. And I think in, correct me if I'm wrong, of course, but I think it also influenced a bit your design ideas for uh, Hypnospace Outlaw in that uh, this whole mm. um, sense of, uh, being in a community of people that are all working on the uh, you know on similar projects and uh, they influence each other and they get feedback I, I think it it does reflect in the overall narrative of uh, hypnospace outlaw I think it it's it has I think it adds some influence if I'm not mistaken uh, yeah yeah it definitely did like big time because as you said that i was remembering just a few weeks ago i was like looking at the internet archive at message boards that i once posted on in that community trying to find like my old posts and like my friends posts and the games they had made and it was kind of sad in a way because you know most of this stuff is not accessible anymore and back then the the software didn't really archive so I, it was kind of killing me. But uh, our game plays with that quite a bit. Like the idea of communities that come and go. And then the remnants of them. And and the fact that, you know, these people may have meant a lot to each other. in in this sort of internet service, no one on the outside necessarily really even cared too much about. Uh, all the history of that and these people's memories... You know, you think you're putting all of these things online and they'll be, you kind of think they'll be there forever and like maybe in the back of your mind, but they just, they, they, they evaporate. Um, it, so, so yeah, that, that really influenced it. And in general, like I would say my main friend group was in that community and later uh, on other forums uh, as opposed to like in school. Like, I think my best friends were always online and not uh, in in school or in real life. So it, it also had maybe informed, like, some, some of how I planned the characters in that way. Um, and, like, maybe how you present yourself and the things that you choose to hide from people online or the things you're not good at that you kind of try to mask especially when you're very young in a community like this. You want to be respected a little bit and you want people to like you. You're, you know, you're faking a little bit here and there, you know, especially, what was I? Gee, um, 11 or 12, 12 or 13 when I first joined. So something like that, yeah. Yeah, and one of the first communities that I actually joined on the internet was on IRC, the Internet Relay Chat, back in uh, uh, yeah late 90s, I think 96 or 97, uh, right. which yep. was a community about emulation, uh, video game emulation. So that was, of course, when I uh, learned you know the whole um, playing uh, the the Genesis games, the Mega Drive games, the Nintendo games, and all of that. 
And yeah, it's funny that we're talking about IRC since uh, we're basically using Discord, which is a sort of an right. enhanced version of that. How did they just bring back IRC? They just made it a little easier and then... Yeah, the yeah, <laughs> it's magic, really. And yeah. it's strange to think that some yeah. of my oldest friends, uh, some of the oldest people that I'm still in contact with actually came from that uh, IRC era. Uh, in a way, I feel that back then it was easier to meet new people or random people, really, as opposed to today, because that's what social networks did. I mean, they like to advertise themselves as social, but they're really not. I mean, they're used to keep you into your community of already made friends or family, but they're basically useless to meet new people it's really difficult while on irc was basically you know expected in a way it was normal to meet new people and random people that you didn't know and are you still in contact with uh, people from the old click and play days yeah yeah there's people that i still know i mean a lot of those original click and play people like i worked on some of them two of them they run the company a jolly corpse but they, they they helped with Dropsy. One of them did coding and the other uh, co-designed it and helped with uh, NPC animations. But yeah, I think you're you're right. Maybe not a hundred percent right about that, but I think you're it, it was certainly something people expected more as to meet random people or to meet new people back then. Like that's almost that was almost a selling point. I remember there being advertisements saying, oh, talk to people in all the way across the world. Like it was a thing. And now people don't go on the internet to do that. I I think um, with Friendster and MySpace and then Facebook, it became a little more utilitarian. So you go on there and you talk to people, you find people you know already, um, generally, or people in communities that you're already that you've already established yourself in uh, but if you're if you're a total noob you kind of don't i guess but but I, yeah i remember being on irc or instant messaging services and just being like hi i'm this is me you know age sex location all of that you know and and then you just talk to people and maybe you know back then especially in my you know earlier years I, I could have been quite abrasive so often people did not reply but people who were my own age tended to I think um but yeah I, I think there was certainly more of an expectation that you would be talking to new people yeah and uh talking about the old days of the internet I also feel that uh, back then there was a lot of content that was also relatively easy to find, to access. Well, nowadays there's, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's more content out there, but accessing it has become more difficult because everything is so standardized and so uh, Google-friendly and yeah. so... Yeah, when you, well, especially when you, when you search for something, it's a battle to find actual useful information because a lot of the links are just those like full of advertisements and you have to scroll 
to get to the heart of what they're saying and then it's it's clearly not even a thing someone cared about it's just like like if i search the top 10 best or you know if i search the best or most useful pieces of image editing software you know you don't really find much useful and and i suspect a lot of these are even automated or um but even beyond that like i think you're you're right there's an artist and professor named olia leolina are you familiar Mm, no, not a uh, so. Olia and Dragon Espensheed run this thing called One Terabyte of Kilobyte Age about GeoCities. And they 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 sometimes track down people who had GeoCities pages and ask them, you know, what were you thinking? Not not in a mean way, but like <laughs> what were you thinking? No, no, but just in a very neutral, just interested way you know can you explain your your page you know what was the story behind it it's pretty interesting but olia has an article or a piece i don't know what you would call it on she puts it me versus my and there's 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 this switch from before you used to be like this is jay's world this is my stuff it's like you're inviting someone into your room to you're sharing you know, like truly sharing, like, uh, check out my recipes, check out my art, fan art, go to the, this section. And, uh, you know, and there are all kinds of metaphors for it. Uh, and then, and then it switched from, from this kind of thing to more of a me, like, uh, more of a, this is me. Yeah. Like you're not interacting with my stuff or reading the things I'm presenting and sharing. You just got me. This is me online i've been put into the computer it's me you're interacting with also that's kind of kind of bizarre because then it's commodified and you know advertisers have you now that they're they're targeting as whereas before it was just uh, like a mess of like a really nice mess of all kinds of just stuff people were putting up for really no no particular purpose generally other than to share something they thought was interesting um and so she encourages almost as an act of rebellion to make a personal website and fill it with whatever you want you know uh it's a pretty interesting piece of writing i would say it made me think a lot about that stuff but it certainly feels smaller and 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 more automated and less personal and therefore to me less interesting um you know i suppose with certain things like wikipedia and and other modern conveniences like maps it's it's infinitely more useful practically it's a little more dour and and sad now i would say (laughs) yeah it was definitely a lot more random in the geocities era content wise it was a bit anything goes I mean, I remember the first version of the Genesis Temple back in '97. Uh, that, yeah, the idea was to make a kind of a retro gaming website uh, reviewing uh, Sega Mega Drive, you know, Genesis games, and also Commodore 64 because I liked it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, there was a bit of music and public domain games. Yeah, a bit right. of everything. It started in 97, huh? Yeah, in 97. Wow. That was the first version of the Genesis Temple. 
and I also add, I think I made another website that was um, sadly <laughs> similar in style despite being I think 2000, so almost three years later yeah. uh, on my music project uh, but basically there was no music online you know because mp3 were still pretty young as a format and yeah so basically it was a poetry website is it still up uh no no it's not oh. online anymore <laughs> i mean neither the the band website because i think no one visited it and neither the genesis temple oh, from 1997 but it's oh, yeah kind of yeah. archived but uh, you know i still have the files so yeah me i can put it back online anytime what you said struck me uh or you said in 97 you were talking about retro games and i imagine they were from the late 80s or early 90s and like now what was 7 or 8 years ago uh was was 2012 like that would be like calling gosh i don't know what some game from 2012 a retro game which i guess you know what that's so weird because i guess People who were were ten years old then are now like nineteen, and they would be like, they would be like, oh yeah, when I was a kid in twenty twelve, I played. I don't know, that's so bizarre. But yeah, I mean that's not specific to the internet. That's just aging and feeling like the world is getting strange. That's a universal thing, I guess. <laughs> it is also true that. Um, games from eight or seven years ago now don't look that much different from the games of today. I mean, right. seven or eight years ago, uh, basically we already had uh, almost a PlayStation 4, I think. And yeah, games on PlayStation 4 still look yeah pretty much current, I think. They don't look right. that old, at right. least to, <laughs> to my eyes. Yeah, it doesn't. I wonder if younger people have more of a sense, like, like maybe they see it as, as more, as older looking, and and we don't notice it as much. I don't know, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, but yeah, I also think that today there is no big generational gap between the various consoles. I mean, if you think back to the Super Nintendo as opposed to the Nintendo, I mean, the difference is huge. Yeah. I mean, Donkey Kong Country compared to uh, Super Mario Bros. 3 is, yeah, is another world. And yeah. uh, also, I mean, thinking back to my reviewing experience, in 97, uh, even a game from 1995 felt, right. yeah, you know, already kind of old. Yeah, that was... That was a pivotal time, I suppose. Ninety, I, I guess, starting maybe ninety-seven with Quake, Unreal, and all of that more polygonal stuff. It did feel like you were a decade ahead. Half Life felt so, yeah, so different from something that would have come out in nineteen ninety-two or three. Uh, going back to the community project, because uh, oh, on no. Space Outlaw, you asked uh, a lot of people on Twitter to contribute uh, images, music, and stuff. Uh, will you do the same thing for your uh, future project or are you planning on something different? For the project we're working on now, which is, I guess you could call it maybe a successor or something. I don't, I'm not announcing anything, but yeah, uh, it's another project that has similarities to Hypnospace. Um, 
I guess I'll be doing a little less of it, mostly because there was so much stuff, and I had so poorly kept track of the names. Like, towards the end of development, it became a big job finding all the DMs and all the little emails and all the little things and, like, correctly attributing things to people. This time, I'm doing less... Like, because like, I, I thought it would be fun, like, hey, everyone on Twitter, if you have some really just bad 3D art laying around that you you made maybe when you were learning or you know just send it to me and i'll put it in my game and i'll paypal you like 15 dollars or something and i i got a few things that way but each time i would post a thing like that there would always be someone who's like why are you getting free labor and stuff like that or, or whatever and i'm like frankly the reason is because i had reached out to a few artists but of course they're professionals you know and and they want to be paid their rate rightfully so and i'm having them make awful like bad art for this <laughs> that i could just do myself because i suck because i you know at the time i was very new at 3d stuff so then i thought you know it might be fun if people just have stuff laying around their hard drive and i can throw it in the game then that could work and it's not like they've put labor hours into it you know so um i didn't feel too ethically conflicted about it even though people got mad but i think for the next game just so it's a little smoother i'm gonna do i'm not gonna do as much of that maybe in our discord community if there's a very specific thing like in hypnospace there was a fan art contest and we actually had a real fan art contest in our discord and then we used that fan art for the fake fan art contest in hypnospace and that was fun because it, i told them like don't put effort into this it's like do ms paint you know so they did they did some pretty bad art and one of the things that ended up in there i i've never seen jojo the anime the only thing i know about jojo is the blood mm -hmm. reference <laughs> but anyway so i never seen the anime but we accidentally put a JoJo reference in our game because someone's fan art had a thing from JoJo in it, I guess. Uh, and then everyone, I watch people stream and they're like, this is a JoJo reference. And I'm like, what's JoJo? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so also stuff like that. Like a few things did slip in that I had that weren't original that we could have gotten in trouble for. Like some two people sent in just these anime characters that were i had assumed they drew but they were just from some big anime production and those we only discovered a year after the game was out and thankfully we didn't get into trouble for it <laughs> so yeah so yeah we have a, then a couple of huge news on the on the podcast i mean one is the how did the jojo reference end up in hypnospace outlaw and <laughs> yeah. the other is Jay yeah. Tholen announces a sequel yeah. to Hypnospace Outlaw. Hear all about it. This time it. <laughs> we are still collaborating, but it's more organized and more like I just go to people and say, hey, do you want to do this one specific thing for the game? For the project we're working on, like I'm, you know, we're being a little more organized about it and just talking directly 
to people, maybe people who who enjoyed and understood the first game too, so they kind of get the vibe, you know. So and they and they know approximately how their stuff will be used. Um, that was the thing with Hypnospace too is there were some people who video games were just not something on their radar, and our game was you know extra difficult to explain just what this is and I think they weren't mean to me or or they weren't angry but I think they weren't entirely happy with how their uh, work was presented in the game because it it looked it made it look a little more amateurish and a little you know like from the 90s internet you know I, I added dithering to the images or made or degraded the quality of the audio a little bit so it had that tinny like mp3 low bitrate mp3 sound and so this time it's nice because you know this time for this unannounced who knows what could this be i don't know but um it's nice that people are kind of familiar with the context so it won't be so surprising and and even there they they have a better idea of how to uh make it yeah okay so we'll find out in the future about this mysterious project um another thing that i wanted to talk about because um i know that you're a big uh fan of music and you're also yep. a musician and i've heard that you consider music to be a real creative endeavor because sometimes you feel that working on games is just you know work yeah while music you feel that it, it is a real creative process and have you ever considered making a musical game have you ever thought about the, the possibility i've tried that a few times and it's i've it's always i've always stopped because of technical problems uh to make like an actual musical game i guess the original idea and the idea i kept coming back to was it's may, maybe a 20 minutes or 25 minute suite a song like the old 20 minute prog songs were were actually like six songs put together or whatever but um but like that and then there would be you would jump between portions of the game based on the when the next section of the song came and uh for one of these games i i was i i had uh some temporary music in and i was making uh, major and minor key versions depending on how how your choices that you made in the last section and then it might jump between possible branching paths so the song would maybe be different that became a lot of work because in the end I think it would have ended up being something like for all the possible paths something like 120 minutes of like original music and someone will, would only hear 20 minutes of it and then maybe not play again you know and I guess I could have but th that's just a lot of work for for a game that just may never be really seen too much um <laughs> I you know I, when I was doing that I didn't have an audience it's one of the coolest ideas I think if if I can find someone to work on the technology side and make it fancy and uh maybe even make it make it so that like the music extends and keeps looping until the next section and then 
a transition triggers and then it's into the next part of the song you know something very dynamic that could be so cool it would definitely be prog like a prog rock thing it has to be for that kind of thing um which i think is an underrepresented okay underrepresented in some ways in games now like you have like the final fantasy battle music you like you have you have prog kind of in the games but not not that kind of theatrical 70s yeah like genesis stuff. and yeah, yeah, yes yeah. big floor so that kind of thing could be so fun to put in a game but have you sure. played any interesting musical games that you would uh, recommend there was uh, a game i'm not sure if it's by it might be by team laser beam um but it was a sort of a punk album or a punk ep and each song was one little part of the game and it was kind of like mini games and i thought that was very well done and i think the closest thing to my to like my ideal because because the 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 mini games closely matched the the feeling of the songs and the energy i think it was a great way to get people to listen to that music not because the music's bad but i don't think anyone would have listened to it otherwise you just put up a pop punk it was a little psych psychedelic too slightly but a pop punk album you throw it up there you know unless you have connections no one's gonna listen to it so a game is a good you know a good way to maybe get people to listen to some music which is what i was really trying to do in hypnospace <laughs> yeah i think the game from laser beam was uh, maybe teenage blob teenage blob yeah have you played that? Ah, no, 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 I haven't played it, but yeah, I definitely will. Sounds very interesting. Yeah, it it's good. You know, actually, lately uh, I have played a game that is similar to your idea of a kind of prog uh, suite uh, done into a, a video game, you know, adventure game actually. Uh, but I don't, I don't like to speak badly about games because I know that. People put a lot of work into them and everything, but I'm afraid this is really among the worst games I've played <laughs> recently. Oh no! It's called Of Bird and Cage. I was so excited. And it's um, kind of a first-person adventure in that uh, each uh, portion of the song uh, you play and you have a very limited time in which to solve the puzzles, right. which are you know relatively simple. But sometimes you have so little time and so much space to explore that it's almost impossible even to solve the simplest things. And the story is terrible. I mean, it's one of the worst things ever. I mean, in, in the first 30 minutes, this waitress is basically a take on the Beauty and the Beast story, basically a postmodern Beauty and the Beast. In the first 30 minutes, the main character, uh, who is a waitress and she gets to wear an apron from the start of the game until mm -hmm. the end because yeah I mean she's a waitress <laughs> and uh, yeah she gets okay. uh, threatened by her boyfriend over $30 she gets beaten up by her drug dealer which uh, wow. um, doesn't make much sense because she has the money to pay him but yeah I don't know and then she gets molested by her father all in the space of the first 30 minutes goodness jeez yeah. And you don't fail if you don't complete the puzzles in time, but because the song basically goes on. And I think in the end, the, the choices you make also 
I think don't have a lot of influence over the the story itself. I mean, I think it's designed to be uh, to play out in a certain way. As you've been describing it, I've been watching whatever they have up on Steam, and it looks like they probably invested way too much money into this for what it is. Like, and they only have eighty nine steam reviews and it's been since may 20th it's been out which is quite quite bad for something that's like they have a full band and an orchestra and like playing the music they showed clips of it and it seems like the art isn't bad necessarily it's you know it's a little rough it's not the worst but wow like Wow, what a waste, though. <laughs> yeah, because the music is also pretty good. Yeah, that, that gameplay looks, just from looking at the little clip, it looks quite rough. But yeah, no, my thing, if I did a thing, it would be heavily probably stylized. And it would take a lot of a lot of thinking like to figure out what could be fun. You know, I, I would think you would need, for it to actually be, to work, I think you need to program a way for the music to keep looping and maybe like, there's little, like little variations of the synths slightly change a little on the next loop or like, you know, it randomizes like which rhythm guitar track. So so it doesn't sound like it's just repeating the same thing over and over, but until it, it's ready to trigger the next next section of song or something like it becomes background music, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm sure someone will solve this problem someday and it will be awesome but i I haven't seen it yet (laughs) yeah it would be great to to have a game inspired to you know selling england by the pound or close to the edge by yes i mean that that would be that would be really awesome i guess good luck getting the rights to (laughs) any of that though well um maybe on the cheaper side (laughs) there's plenty of uh, italian prog rock that's just waiting to be exploited maybe (laughs) <laughs> that could be a little <laughs> cheaper but yeah i mean uh, in hypnospace there was a uh, uh, of course a lot of music too yeah i mean i guess i guess hypnospace is in some part like an excuse to indulge in all of the music stuff that i've wanted to because it, it's a good basically you have you have an excuse to put whatever music you want in this game you know it doesn't you can put any style you want so or make up a style so, yeah, that, that's probably one of the, the things that excites me about the Hypnospace development uh, cycle or whatever. You know, I was thinking something uh, strange that uh, I liked a lot the music in Hypnospace Outlaw. I mean, there's uh, Chowder Man and uh, Cool Punk and everything. But uh, it's weird because uh, when talking about the most memorable video game soundtracks of the last few years, I never say Hypnospace Outlaw as you know one of the most memorable soundtracks because I think maybe in a way I feel that it's not really a soundtrack it's more like a collection of songs that goes with the game I mean like they could exist on their own and they would be you know just as memorable just as fun just as great and I, mean, I don't know if you understand what I mean right yeah I understand what you mean it doesn't it's a collection of songs in some way more than a alternate reality songs i guess more than a i guess what you would call a soundtrack the soundtrack is probably more like the end credits song and the music 
behind the official Merchant Soft stuff, and like you could probably call that the the proper soundtrack. But the the Clifta, like the jazz rock and the Chowder Man and all that, it's just these friends of mine or acquaintances of mine that was like, hey, you want to just do what you normally do, but pre- pretend it's in this strange universe. And then they're like, okay. And then they made something and then I found out how to fit it in the game, you know? So it wasn't, it kind of was a reverse process, you know, like they just made the music first and I figured out, I, I thought, okay, who would be a fan of this in the world? And, you know, just figured out how to put it in the game. So Yeah. So you basically told them, oh, do an imitation of Kid Rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a bit it was a bit like Kid Rock mixed with um what's his name Mike Patton a little bit um yeah that that a little bit of Eddie Vedder a, just a tiny bit of Eddie Vedder and a tiny bit of the Creed guy Scott Stapp a little bit of him especially in that Child of Man please come back home that that song was very Creed yeah, what I would call uh, the typical uh, grunge drawl, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking of creed, there's something that I wanted to ask you about religion because I know you're a religious guy. Nice segue <laughs> with yeah. creed. <laughs> Thank That's you. That's amazing. And yeah, you're a follower of Jesus, as you say. And I was wondering, uh, where would you say that uh, your um, your belief, your faith, uh, influenced your writing and yeah, your video game design experience overall? Probably, and you know, of course, this isn't unique to Christianity, but I guess how how I think we should write characters. Um, I think it's it's a pretty offensive maybe blasphemous thing to not acknowledge that people are very valuable and like even if they uh, believe the wrong things or believe harmful things or or, you know like you know you can't know what led them to the point that they that they are at right now like but I think it's very important to acknowledge you know, even if this is like the worst person in the world, like they're not beyond some kind of redemption and they're very valuable and also like extremely, probably extremely interesting, even if they don't seem interesting on the outside. I think everyone is like super interesting, uh, like in their inner life, even like maybe, you know, even the most boring person you can think of probably has something, some extremely interesting thing about them uh, that you could probably get to know. And of course, like I said, that's not unique to the Christian ideology, but it's important to me uh, because of, you know, what I believe about, you know, how God ordered things. But the other part of that is um, you may have noticed that sometimes it's a little critical or seems a little critical of Christianity (laughs) um, or in part it's also a way to vent maybe some frustrations with with how people who are in the church behave or 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 maybe not individuals but but groups uh in the church behave and how they interpret the gospel and how they treat others and so in a way you know some of these characters in here 
like for example the pastor in the um open-eyed in the conspiracy theory zone you know he he, he kind of is is pulled from a few pastors i knew growing up you know uh warning about pokemon and about how star wars is satanic and like if you turn Yoda's head upside down, it's a pentagram or I don't know, Baphomet or something like that. Um, so, and you know that kind of thing I felt like did a big disservice to Jesus's example and message and what he did and, in my opinion, continues to do. Like, I, but I think that 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 kind of thing, warning about rock and roll and you know, while ignoring the poor and the or, or 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 even worse like saying that poor people deserve you know where they're at because because of what they've done in their life or something like that it's also a little bit like me in some way you know and i'm not trying to trash you know those people are also valuable but uh yeah basically you're saying uh, that these pastors to... should try harder yeah 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 maybe <laughs> uh but yeah, I guess I guess just trying to be in some way a visible Christian who in some way attempting to very fairly portray people, you know, and as I think there's some something to be said for religion in video games. It's usually pretty cartoony, either either they're very evil or they're very, very superstitious and fearful a lot. Uh, and, you know, the religious people I know usually never uh, look like religious people in movies or in games or something. Um, so I just wanted to, I thought it would be important to like write accurate religious people, you know, like there's Sandy in, in good time Valley and she's a pretty average uh, from what I've experienced, like evangelical, like Christian lady who might, slightly lean conservative but is generally in her everyday practice of her life is generally quite a good person uh even though you know the world that she has grown up in has told her like like certain political views are are right or whatever like she's you know a chill reasonable person you know so just having some normal mundane mundanity you know normal people who are religious i thought was was a good idea i mean and it's not only religious people just even working class people you know yeah yeah right i see what you mean in that religious people are often portrayed in video games as being even the the, the evil guys or you know just disquieting people scary yeah, right, people right. you know the kind of uh, <laughs> guys you want to uh, watch out from Definitely, because you want to be careful of. Um, but uh, have you actually tried any religious games that you would you thought were you know well made, well designed, or did you think were you know decent in their portrayals of uh, religious people? That's tough. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna hate to say this, but not really. Um, you know, I. I would say, I guess, that Dragon Cancer. Are you familiar with that? Yes, definitely. Very moving and very touching story. Um, it's not particularly fun or uh, whatever, but but um, I would say that that, you know, at the very least, it's just their exact experience put into a game. You know, like, 
so it's not it's not really up for debate like you know was it accurate or not because it was just something they actually lived through and then they put and it was a lot of the dialogue was their real letters they wrote to each other or that makes it a very difficult thing because of the subject matter like losing a child but um i'd say that one i guess um but wow beyond that no there were so many kind of funny in an unintentional way christian shooters uh in the 90s like ketchumen how do you say that katakumen ketchumen that's how i said it when i was a kid ketchumen anyway sounds like a japanese catholic superhero basically (laughs) yeah the japanese um katakumen and saints of virtue saints of virtue was one um and in hypnospace we kind of you might remember picked on that a little bit there was a game called chosen anointed uh that looked like a build engine game uh and it was a fake christian game i started working on that and i think i'm going to keep working on it in unity it's a just a, a very cheesy like christian first person shooter you everything is like very on the nose clear metaphor like for greed is like you know i don't know a guy with money throws money at you i don't know you know that kind of very clear um thing i was thinking it would be fun to do like a level like about the war on christmas or something like that and they're trying to destroy take christ out of christmas like there's so many so many fun ideas you could do with that kind of theme but have you played the classic uh, uh the incredible captain bible catholic game no but i read a thread was it foon or someone on twitter made a thread about it and i read that and it looks i don't think i'll ever try to play it i but it's certain i i have to praise the effort that they put it into it i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's an incredible game for sure you have captain bible who is called by bible corps to be to go into the city to solve all these problems with the citizens who are uh, trapped in sort of lies and sins he got to use the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith you know (laughs) all this incredible stuff yeah yeah it's really it's really something it's really it has to be seen to be believed maybe that should be the first person shooter maybe maybe the maybe i can just license the name maybe maybe it's just some some random company has it i'll just have to find captain bible we'll see that would be fun i love like the weird enemy design like the close-ups of their faces and stuff it's so odd it's really it's really sur- psychedelic and weird yeah 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 it's it's funny because it looks so psychedelic and trippy but i don't think they meant it i i think it was be i think they were trying to be very clear with their metaphors like what everything means like they didn't want there to be no there should be no mistaking this what this means and like so like like i mentioned in my thing like the the greed guy is like a coin like with a like a benjamin franklin face or like some with like you know everything is so clearly 
exactly whatever like the sin is yeah and <laughs> you have to use bible verses to confront the the cyborgs that that you meet and to defeat them as a you know, yeah as an alternative to hand-to-hand it's combat. not like they designed a cool mech evil mech alien mech robot and then just wrote put put the words pride on it or put the words greed on it no they like made some weird thing and not even science fiction it's just some weird weird stuff which i love it's great but yeah but since you grew up with uh, an nes uh, did you actually own any of the classic uh, i mean classic in air quotes uh, wisdom tree games uh no um i think i had a like i i had um one of those cd roms that was like 1001 games and i think it had a few like weird ripped emulated wisdom tree games on it so i think through that i had them yeah i'm a bad boy mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah but no um i'm familiar though and i have a friend who actually swears that one of these games is like really good i guess the zelda clone ah uh, yes i think it's um spiritual warfare yeah maybe the, yeah the zelda mistaken. one clone whatever one that was for nes like they 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 swear that it's actually a good game maybe i'll try it one day i don't know but i i have tried noah's ark 3d which of course is quite quite a boring game <laughs> yeah super noah's ark 3d or super 3d noah's ark is uh that game which uh, i never understood if it that story that id software um lent to uh, wisdom tree the wolfenstein 3d engine because they wanted to get revenge on nintendo i don't know if that story was true or just hearsay but yeah that's apparently what happened uh, yeah, and you go around as Noah shooting uh, animals, shooting fruit at animals to make them go to sleep, to put them on the ark. Yeah, uh, very weird idea, but yeah, kind of a boring game. I think. Yeah, I guess back in the day, you know, if you're a kid who's not allowed to play Doom and you, and that's what you have instead, I think it's definitely going to be disappointing (laughs) yeah so the last thing that i wanted to talk to jay about was uh which is something that happened recently but it's going to be you know quite i think old news by the time the podcast goes online which is the whole 10 cent uh incident that actually got resolved today (laughs) as we as we speak you got a happy ending but yeah, I mean, uh, I was surprised because uh, it got solved pretty yeah. quickly. It was quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, so so the short of it for listeners is um, they named a skin uh, Hypnospace Diva. And the colors had some resemblance to our the key art in our game. And what had happened is an artist, uh, I suppose from the Korean studio, because uh, they have a few studios in different places, an artist designed the skin and over in over over uh the original name is golden diva and then for when it got to the localization team uh one of the people on the team thought oh that looks like hypnospace for some reason i guess because the colors and then named it hypnospace diva and i just thought they felt like they were making a cute reference 
you know, or whatever, but didn't think about the fact that, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't name something Sonic the Hedgehog Diva. And then if you're, if you don't have a deal with the Sonic people, you know, but, you know, I guess I'm an indie game and you just maybe I would find it flattering or something or they just didn't think at all about it. But, but whatever the case, like, um, released a hypnospace skin and, uh, they, they quickly found out what had happened within 24 hours and told me, which is how I know. And, uh, and the QA just didn't catch it. QA didn't know my game existed. And then, so they're going to rename it, which is nice. Which is just what I wanted, you know, to rename it. I have a small number of people messaging me or, you know, sending me Twitter tweets saying I should, I should go after them. But I really don't think, first of all, I would lose because they're extremely wealthy and I would be probably on their turf. And also, I don't want to spend time messing with that. What a waste of time. It's boring. I, I just want to work on fun stuff that I like to do. So, no, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand what you mean, and I agree. I mean, uh, getting tangled into copyright issues with a Chinese company uh, sounds, yeah, pretty much difficult issue to solve and to come out, you know, as a winner. Yeah, I have no idea what, yeah, anything about that. And even if we were certain to win or something, I still don't think I would want to spend so much of my life doing that Oof. yeah yeah but you know at least uh, uh there were many people defending your game maybe something of a bit of a free publicity maybe you gotta get out of it <laughs> maybe you know in the end it was kind of worth it yeah i mean it was some public publicity that's fine uh okay let me change what i said if we were certain to win and it was like 10 million dollars okay maybe <laughs> maybe i would i would do something about it but nah nah it's not worth it all right i think our time with jay is up and i thank him for his time and of course i look forward to play uh anything that he releases in the future or you know maybe anything that he's uh, maybe working on at that the I moment. might be possibly working on yeah thank you <laughs> right jay thanks again for the chat and hope to have you back on the podcast sometime yeah. well soon. thank you for having me it's been a nice conversation